Hey everybody and podcast as always i am carter spires here with my co-host matthew bartlett the founder and managing editor of the roost your premier source for rice sports news and analysis well that was fun that was really fun can we do that again yeah as often as possible preferably just the entire thing all of it i i i I, you know I leave the game and immediately I have like 47 things to do post game and press conference and all these things. And I'm sitting there just like in the back of my head, like, is this a deja vu moment? Is it real? Cause I'm pretty sure we spent all last podcast talking about the greatness of, of rice football. And it, it happened. We spoke it into existence. We need to speak more things. What were we doing for the past six months? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Clearly we, <laughs> We apologize for should have been doing whatever we did last week. (laughs) Right. Uh, Are you like, is your chair positioned in the same way? Are you speaking the same (laughs) volume in your microphone? Don't don't move. Same socks. Recreate, uh, recreate the conditions in their entirety. (laughs) Whatever works. Oh, man. Oh, well, well, we we should get to a couple housekeeping things and then we'll, uh, hit on a, a UTEP note to start the podcast because, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about UTEP and, and then we can get into a Southern Miss recap and then a UTSA uh, pregame or pre pre pregame preview, any of those things. Uh, so first things first, uh, if you haven't yet, go ahead and make sure you are subscribing on Patreon. I got a special plug. We got hopefully a special something by the time y'all listen to this for our Patreon subscribers with some folks uh, that I've gotten to know pretty well over at Alamo Dome Audible. They cover UTSA and they do a great job. So we'll have uh, something, some bonus content for you guys coming up this week, nailing out those details now. And then as well as that, uh, if you haven't yet, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on the Rice Athletics YouTube page, uh, the link will also be on the podcast page on the Roost website. Uh, myself and Taylor McCarg are doing a live show, kind of going through all things Rice football and this week, we get to break down our first Rice win of the season. So those are the two things we want to put on your radar. And as always, do rate, review, subscribe, tell us what you like, uh, tell us what you don't like, and then tell us how many games you'd like Rice to win for the rest of the season. Hopefully, preferably all of them. Yeah. <laughs> What's the answer and why is it all of them? Wait, so if Rice runs the table, they add two more games, they win a conference championship and a bowl game. What is that? However many that is. We did yeah, math uh, last week. <laughs> what, that'd be 10 wins, I guess? That'd be 10 and 1? That's right, because they have six games currently good. scheduled, so they'd be... Six games, plus two games, plus a conference championship Sorry, nine game. games. Nine, nine games. One. Nine yeah. and one. Nine and one, Rice. At that point, you'd have to rank Rice, right? Yeah, yeah. I see no reason why not. Let's start now. Rank Rice, cowards. <laughs> Let's get that trending. <laughs> it's this is a side note. If you uh, I don't I if you ever search like hashtag rice or you're trying to find rice football or anything on, on Twitter or any social media, this is a complete aside that we probably don't need to do. But it's really hard to find rice content because you get with the most random like actual physical rice. Yeah, yeah, the the, the school name does you no favors in that regard. They're probably not changing it, so we're just going to roll with it, but is what it is. And then 
let's see. Oh, I did want to one last rice tidbit that that has just I guess put out right before we're recording this. Uh, I had mentioned mentioned this. I don't know if it was on the podcast or in one of the posts. Uh, you should read read things. Hopefully that I I said or didn't say, but <laughs> there will be no fans at the upcoming game for Rice versus UTSA. I I'm, wanted to go ahead. I did note it note last week. Well, I guess last week, two weeks ago now, the first home game there was family in the stands. So we had about a hundred some odd cardboard cutouts and then a hundred like actual people. So. It wasn't a rousing crowd, but it was it was more than I was expecting, maybe. Well, hopefully, hopefully that uh, that that similar crowd gets to actually see a win this weekend. So that would be nice. So that I think now now I think I'm done on miscellaneous tidbits. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, as you alluded to, we, we do have a quick CUSA update. Uh, the big news is that. UTEP is favored in a game against a team in the football bowl subdivision. Like in real life. Yeah, this is actually happening. What a time to be alive. The UTEP miners are favored in an FBS football game. Yeah, they, uh, the, the FIU Panthers have the, sorry, um, FIU infamous distinction as, uh, being, uh, underdogs to, uh, uh, UTEP. So that that line for those who are so inclined uh, opened up at at two, I think is what I saw. In some places, I've seen it climb half a point to two and a half. So people are more confident that UTEP would win than they were when the line opened. Which UTEP being favored and the line moving up, that <laughs> you know. That's, uh... It is. It is what it is. Yeah, that's a heck of a thing, right there. <laughs> you never know. This this is 2020. Actually, if you would have told me that UTEP was favored to win football games, it it had to have been an upside down season. But we'll take it. Yeah, this is the first that Dana Demo has been favored over an F- FBS team at UTEP, like you you mentioned. So we'll see. They have to go on the road and and do it, which is an entirely different thing. But you know, it's a fun note. That was really the only major really happening. Well, I, I lied. That wasn't the only major happening in Conference USA. It might have been the most entertaining. There was a <laughs> controversial finish with Louisiana Tech and UAB over the weekend. And we will, uh, as we've mentioned, you know, Carter, we mentioned in the run up of the couple weeks before the season that there wasn't enough, you know, like just angst and downright hate <laughs> in Conference USA. Uh, I think just looking at the the interwebs between the uh, following the Louisiana Tech UAB game, we we might have some more hate, which is probably a net win for the conference. Yeah, yeah, get get some of that passion going. Um, so that's UAB's first conference loss of the year, and uh, I guess the third overall. But I believe that one, and yeah, so both that game and their loss against. Uh, Louisiana, which I, I guess is still Louisiana right now instead of Lafayette, but both of those games were uh, a- according to a stat that uh, ESPN's Bill Connolly calls post-game win expectancy, which is basically like you take all the important stats, advanced stats like success rate and explosiveness and like the turnovers and those sorts of things, and you look at those stats and you say, okay, 
based on this, how likely were you to have won the game? And it's a good one for looking at, you know, kind of which teams are, regardless of who won and who lost, like, like looking at which teams are actually sort of playing well and which ones aren't like sometimes teams win with like a really low expectant, a low postgame win expectancy. And so you kind of know that, okay, they may have gotten a little lucky or, or, or had a couple bounces go their way. Uh, Louisiana's postgame win expectancy expectancy against UAB, 4%. Not high. Louisiana Tech's postgame win expectancy against UAB, 9%. Also not high. Yeah. Uh, not <laughs> – It's it's been an unlucky group. Uh, and, you know, they're having some – like they did not get great quarterback play in that game. Uh, and, and they have some Oof. things to figure out on that front. But uh, – not a lot of lucky bounces going the Blazers' way in Birmingham this year. No, just just bizarre. And and I, I don't know if we need to... We're going to go here. I don't know if we need to go here, but just humor me. Hypothetical. So UAB is 2-1 and one in, in Conference USA right now. And, you know, they've played three games. Louisiana Tech has played five. Rice at two. So it's just... It's a smattering. Uh, if, if Rice were to beat UTSA this weekend in a hypothetical world and uh, Louisiana Tech were to fall, I believe they're playing North Texas, uh, you would have Rice and UAB tied at two, two and one atop the Conference USA West standings by themselves. Make it so. Which, man, it, it's it's funny. We talk about, you know, how much how quickly narrative can change in a six game season sample size. Things felt a lot different. You know, we were, you know, I went mostly optimistic following the Middle Tennessee game. Yeah. We're like, it's it's not all lost. Things are going to turn around. A- and they did. But shoot, you're telling me that Rice could be a win out of first place and control their own destin- destiny, more importantly, with Louisiana Tech still on the schedule. And, and I would assume eventually UAB at home. Yeah, I mean, to this point, they are undefeated. In division play, want to know? So that counts. <laughs> I think by so this is where it gets hazy, but I think the overall tiebreaker for who goes is still Conference USA winning percentage, non-division specific. So I think, I think from what I've heard, the tiebreaker would include the Middle Tennessee loss, which is strange. So just uh, just have to beat UAB when we play them. That's fine. Yeah, there you go. Which, you know, Louisiana Tech. I, I did the <laughs> I do the the weekly kind of conference USA roundup. And I kind of when I put it together, I was like stock up this weekend, like rice. That was good. Uh, what I, who else I have? Uh, Marshall also stock up or did they play? I'm trying to remember. I had a couple teams going stock up. I had stock down for UAB and then for Louisiana Tech, I just had three question marks because I don't know. <laughs> Which actually that kind of is Skip Holtz in a nutshell. We, yeah, we, I mean, we'll just get to th- that. That whole season has basically been Conference USA in microcosm. Like nothing is real. No results are consistent. Nothing like every every result is like time independent. Like nothing, nothing about what has happened in Louisiana Tech's past <laughs> tells you anything about what's going to happen in their future. 
price. It's it's the uh, perfect antithesis of the the gambler's fallacy of you know like this hasn't happened yet, so we're due. <laughs> Louisiana Tech yeah. is there's there's no due. It's just a complete random series of events. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one event that was real and does count, and I am very excited to break down with you, Carter, is Rice's win over Southern Miss by a score of 30 to 6. Yeah, coincidentally, Rice's biggest win over an FBS opponent and their first time holding an FBS opponent without, or any opponent, I believe, without a touchdown since the 2014 Hawaii Bowl against Fresno State, which was also a score of 30 to 6. Yeah, as as far as I can tell, I kind of went went back and looked through, and I had to keep scrolling through years. But uh, pretty crazy, and uh, I think we we can go through a lot of different angles for this one. But I was kind of doing a, a, I put together some a a tweet tweet thread after the game that I, I just kind of wanted to repeat some of on the podcast because <laughs> I. I just I couldn't wrap my hand around it. So entering fall camp or, or right arounds there, if if you take the projected depth chart, the one that we previewed like a month ago, mm-hmm. it really was about a month ago in, in real time. Yeah. Uh, Rice on Saturday did not have their starting corner, both of their backup corners, their starting song, strong safety, free safety, Viper or backup strong safety. So that's seven defensive backs that we expected to be playing on the field a month ago. We're not playing in that game. Rice was also, if you go back to that preview show a month ago, missing two starting wide receivers and two backup wide receivers. And they scored 30 points for the second consecutive game. Their quarterback through his eighth touchdown pass in two games and the rice defense did not allow a touchdown what yeah they averaged uh i believe 6.1 yards per play uh they gave up well southern miss was was only like 5.3 yards a play so that wasn't too extreme but like under 200 yards passing to to Southern Miss, who had generally put up points this year, if nothing else. Um, yeah, the offense was the only part of the team that wasn't broken. <laughs> and when when Rice physically broke Jack Abraham. Yeah. And to be fair, when Jack Abraham was in, he was bad. Yeah, and, like they, and they the moved Rice... the ball some in the first half. like, But everything, I mean... First, uh, the, here their first half drives, not including the the fumble on the kick return, turnover on downs, interception, punt, field goal, fumble, punt, field goal. That's a that's it's a pretty good defensive half. The thing was like it, the rice front seven I thought as well as the secondary but the Rice front seven did such a good job of putting him under duress and giving him difficult decisions that even if he had been playing particularly which I I don't think he was the opportunities 
Like out of those those first two drives, he had a couple big plays downfield. And then you have the the big breakup on fourth down by Gabe Taylor. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then you have the interception by Miles McCourt. And if you're telling me a month ago that the biggest stops of the game, because that that was a huge turning point to get Rice the chance to go out in front, uh, were Miles McCord and a safety that I didn't think would have been playing in this game, as ta- talented as Gabe Taylor was. And he he balled out. He had a very yeah, good game. He was very good. That's fantastic. Yeah. How many teams in in Conference USA, no, how many teams in the country can go four deep into their secondary and hold a player that was a number one first team all-conference player with zero touchdown passes for any amount of time? Yeah, and then, like, and okay, I had been, a, I was a little nervous coming in, like, coming out of the first half. I was like, okay, that was great, like, scored all those touchdowns, got all those turnovers, made the shots when you needed to. Like, I was a little worried that especially, and I, I don't think Abraham ended up coming back, right? Um, no, he did not. Yeah. So I was a little worried that, I don't know, if he came back, like, Southern Miss had moved the ball decently well at times. I was worried, like, okay, I just don't want the offense to go into a shell and they start getting something going and stop turning the ball over. Like, in in terms of play on the field, the the first half wasn't as uneven as the score looks like. But then in the second half, Rice just dropped the hammer. Southern Miss had three possessions in the entire second half. 12 yards, punt, 36 yards, punt, six yards, turnover on downs. They had it for like all of eight minutes. Oh my goodness. So I, I put together the drive chart and I was, I was reading when you were recounting it earlier for the first half, I was reading it with you. And then I got to the field goal. And then I just like, I only have three drives field goal. And so in my head, I said, well, I guess I'm not going to read the rest of it. I must have typed something wrong. No, they had 54 yards of total offense after halftime. Yeah. Uh, Spanning the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth quarter, Rice had a 16 play, 88 yard touchdown drive. Uh, You want to guess how many times they threw the ball on that drive? I remember that drive because they got down to like the goal line almost. And I don't think they had thrown the ball yet. It was like nine straight runs or something. So the third play of the drive uh, was a key third down conversion. Uh, Collins to surprise Austin Trammell. Uh, There was was another completion to Jake Bailey later on. And then obviously ended on another touchdown pass to Trammell. Those were the only three passes. They ran the ball 13 times out of those 16 plays. That's an army drive. That's a triple <laughs> and, option service academy drive. This was like, I imagine for the entire, the entirety of this drive was like the happiest Mike Bloomgren has been in his entire tenure as Rice football coach. Like this was his like platonic ideal, like well, that drive and the whole second half. And this is following an 18 play drive against Middle Tennessee. Yeah. That's and a 14-play drive earlier in the game. My goodness. And in, in <laughs> four quarters, Rice has had, or sorry, in, in four halves of football, Rice has had three drives of 14 plays or longer. 
That's good. Rice has played eight quarters this year. You know how many quarters they have failed to score in? Uh, it's not many. Is it like one, two? It's one. And the one quarter they did not score in was the third quarter against Southern Miss. And yeah. that is when they went for it on fourth and a yard and were stopped. Which, you know, you take a field goal there and you the scoring streak. But that was one thing I we can talk kind of like some some details in specific players. That was one thing that I I really weighed from this game is I don't think I've seen Mike Bloomgren and the the offensive coaching staff call a a game this aggressive from start to finish his entire tenure yet at Rice. Yeah. In the end of the first half when, you know, Rice has a lead and they've been playing pretty well to this point. It's it's 23 to 3. Mike Bloomgren starts starts calling timeouts with Southern Miss backed up so they can get a punt so they can have 30 seconds to try and take another shot at the end zone. I love it's it's one of my favorite things in football is when a coach who's getting the ball coming out of halftime pushes to get that last scoring drive to get that two for one uh, uh, around halftime because that that can just completely change a game. And it didn't work this time because Rice had an extremely weird like one of their own punt return team players ran into Jordan Myers and he yeah. he muff the muff the punt i don't think uh, i've seen that your own yeah. guy running weird it's not common but that was what so that that play stuck out to me um austin trammell's 72 yard touchdown pass so or 72 he had a touchdown reception he hasn't thrown a touchdown yet but i wouldn't put it <laughs> past him uh, but anyhow there. so he puts he puts rice up 10 to nothing Southern Miss gets the ensuing kickoff, fumbles it, and Rice gets the ball back on the 25-yard line. The very next play is a ball straight to the end zone for Jake Bailey. Yeah, and Rice they, goes up they, 16 nothing. Like it's almost weird to say that they that this was an aggressively play call of game when they they ran 67. First of all, they ran 67 plays in this game, and Southern Miss ran 50 plays, which is exactly how like if, if you told the coaches that ahead of time, like they would, I, I think they would have felt extremely good because that's, that's the kind of game they want to play. But can you have an aggressive ball control offense? <laughs> I mean, that's what, this, I think that's, that's what this was. They ran it 50 times on those 67 plays. And granted part, a lot of that was influenced by game state. Like they're not going on a, on a 16 play drive where they run it 13 times out of 16. If they aren't, you know, up 23 to six, late in the game but also when you can run 13 times and the other team can do nothing to stop you why not yeah well and it's just like what i said earlier about it being an army drive like that one and the one the one before that where they they got stopped on downs like it was it was just like conversion after conversion after convert like okay here's a sequence from that drive uh after Mason catches his first pass. So this is on the first drive of the second half. Mason catches that 11 yarder. Kalen Griffin, five yards. Kalen Griffin, nine yards. Kalen Griffin, three yards. Kalen Griffin, four yards. Kalen Griffin, Mike Collins, two yards. And then Myers stopped on the, on the fourth down. And then in the, the long drive, like they was just like Juma, three yards, Juma, 12 yards, Juma, four yards, Juma, seven yards, Juma, five yards, Juma, one yard. Like 
they were just grinding out drives and like just just getting exactly the amount of yardage that they needed every single time and that when you can do that like it's sort of risky to make that your kind of your mo because you know the more those plays pile up the more opportunity there is for something to go wrong essentially like yeah big plays are fluky but sometimes you kind of need them to score but like i think at this point you know with with three drives of 14 plus plays in two games like this is kind of what rice is and they they can do this like in the same way that good triple option teams can just grind out those possessions and regularly have 12 15 17 play drives like like not a lot of teams can do this but this rice team can do it yeah they it just they had i'm looking at it now they had four drives during the game that were four minutes and 58 seconds or longer. So basically five minute drives. So on those, on those drives, just their, their longest drives of the day, which were five, nine, five and a half and seven and a half. What is that? That's, that's a half of football. (laughs) They had the ball for half of the game on four drives. Which is crazy because in some of these Big 12 shootouts, like both teams are getting seven or eight drives and a half. <laughs> and Rice <laughs> just took a half of football away from Southern Miss. Yeah. And and I think this is something that maybe we don't think about as as much, be, partly with COVID and everything going on and kind of the, the view into the program uh, from the outside, maybe um, being limited to what I report at practice, basically. <laughs> but uh, Mike Bloomgren has been working hands on with with Sanders Davis with the offensive line this year not like he's overseeing and running practice but he is like in the trenches teaching technique and refining things on a like he's he's being a position coach in in all actuality and the impact that that has made on the offensive line uh, I I thought the offensive line played very well uh, against Southern Miss and and a large part of that was always opening up enough space because Kalen and Juma weren't hit in the backfield very often. They had clear running lanes to get the ball into space. And if nothing else fall forward and that's three or four yards, if nothing else. Now, if they, they get a, a bit more space or they can break something, that's when it turns into nine, 15, 20. But at the very least, if your offensive line is giving you three yards of daylight on every single play, that's the difference because Rice right. wanted to do this last year. They just couldn't. And now it it sure looks. That it, this is Bloomgren's bread and, bread and butter. He put himself right in the middle of it, and it's working. Yeah. Um, the biggest, obviously, sort of the flashiest player here, the one that, that's gotten the most attention, and rightfully so, is Austin Trammell because what a game he had. But Pretty good. the biggest... <laughs> The biggest takeaway from this game for me, and not that, I mean, he was pretty good last week. Like, we we thought well of him coming into the season, thought he had a lot of potential, played well last week. But Mike Collins was really, really good in this game. Like, he had a couple, like, he only threw 17 passes, but he had a couple of flat-out dimes. Like, the one, uh, I can't remember if it was the second or third touchdown pass to Trammell, but the one where he basically, like, let him into the back of the end zone. Like that was a really nice throw that just, this dropped into a bucket. But the big one 
was the long pass to Andrew Mason, the 33 yarder. Um, yeah, so he- I actually I called that out in the post game recap because I I thought it was a great play both by Collins and by Andrew Mason. Yeah, like quickly on Mason, like if you thought this guy was going to be sort of like a one trick pony in terms of like downfield speed and stuff, um, both of his catches in this game were not like. It's not like he just came streaking free and was behind the defense. Like both of them were really nice throws into really tight coverage that he made really good catches on. So that was nice to see. But that that long one, Collins gets flushed from the pocket almost immediately. He's rolling to his right. He's keeping his eyes downfield. And he just uncor- just fires like a rope. Third, like 20, 30 yards downfield on the move into a tight window for Mason to make that catch like that. That was a jaw-dropping throw. Like, I, I don't recall when I have seen a Rice quarterback make a throw like that. No, it was it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> like, and, you know, I, it, it is official. Rice is the first quarter— Rice is uh, Mike Collins' first quarterback in school history to throw eight touchdown passes in the first two games of a season, which that, that kind of seems cherry-picky to me. But uh, I was actually talking to uh, Chuck Pohl, the sports and information director at Rice, who does a, a fantastic job. And if you want to strip it back from, say, okay, when's the last time a Rice quarterback threw eight touchdowns in back-to-back games? You got to go back more than a decade. I think it was back to who's the 2006. Who is the Rice quarterback? At that point, that would have been, uh, would have been Chase Clement would have been. Yeah, it was Chase Clement. Yeah. Chase Clement, last Rice quarterback, I believe. Chuck will Chuck will call me out if I've got that wrong, <laughs> which, which I will appreciate. But I'm, I'm pretty I, sure that that is correct. Yeah. Which uh, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and, and but, obviously those of you who have been Rice fans for more than a decade will know that uh, if you're if you're in the record books with Chase in terms of quarterbacking at Rice, you're uh, you're in some fairly lofty company. Because uh, I think he and Jarrett Dillard still have the NCAA record for most touchdowns for a quarterback wide receiver duo. I believe that's accurate. Yes. Yeah. So and not to I'm going to cherry pick one stat, even though I said that the first one was a little cherry picky. So <laughs> if you take away the first 10 attempts from Mike Collins Rice career, where he started out two for 10 against Middle Tennessee. And they just they kind of started him right off the bat, taking deep shots, and he was just not accurate. Yeah. It just it was you could tell that was not who they were expecting. You just pull out and say, hey, you know, give him a 10 pass. You know, there's a, a coming in the game like you get 10 throws, warm up, and then it counts. So if you take those 10 away, he's completed 28 of 42 passes. That's 67 percent. For 440 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception. That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, two thirds of your passes on uh, more than 10 yards an attempt is a uh, it's a it's a pretty solid stretch. Yeah, and that that would be see the thing is as I watch this that that would be really good if like that was your like offensive identity. Like if you're Texas Tech and you're like, we're just going to spread out. We're going to throw the football like <laughs> there's so many quarterbacks. 
you know, Eric, Mike Leach, he would he would take happily take a quarterback that could complete 67 percent of his passes and throw four touchdowns a game. Uh, yeah. And that's all. Yeah, that's all. Well, and, and eight touchdowns. I mean, that's a touchdown every five and uh, 5.4 attempts. Yeah. Uh, so like that's that's insane. That's that's an impossible. He's so I went and checked. He's in a log jam tied at for 35th in the country in touchdown passes with a with two games played <laughs> in the, in the there are Rice has played two games. The majority of the teams in the country have probably played at least five, at least twice as many games, if not five, six, seven. Uh, and only 34 of them have thrown more touchdown passes than Mike Collins has in two games. That's wild. That's crazy. So I small sample size, but I think it's safe to say that uh, Mike Collins might be as good as advertised. Like even even if like this is probably I'm going to say probably because if Mike Collins, if Rice plays nine games and he throws 36 touchdowns, like build the statue, please. Yeah. But <laughs> assuming that, you know, math happens and regression hits and he's not quite this good for the rest of the season, I. I I think he's been as, as good as we could have hoped for, if yeah. not better. No, yeah, seriously. Like, I wasn't, you know, that first little stretch aside, I'm not sure I was expecting this level of, like, I knew he had the talent, but it's clear he's, like, taken actual serious strides in terms of, of, of ability and skill, because this is this has been really impressive. Imagine imagine if you told us before the season that through two two games for Rice, they would not have any rushing touchdowns and that we'd be sitting here raving about how good the offense was. Well, if, if, if we, if we knew that rice had no rushing touchdowns, what, what would we set the over under at preseason for total touchdowns by the offense? Three and a half. And Collins has doubled it by himself. That's crazy. So we, we spent if 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 you want more like, man, the offense is awesome. Go listen to last week's preview for the Southern <laughs> Miss game, because we basically called all of this. <laughs> yeah, we called the shot. We, we called the shot here. <laughs> like we basically went through the Middle Tennessee game and said, I think this I think he could do it. I think this is sustainable to some degree. Like we have an offense and we rice did. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> I guess. We should probably we didn't mention we mentioned him in passing. We should probably give him another shout out um, before we get through our, our offensive portion. Then we can get, get to the defense uh, a little bit. But w- I did want to mention uh, Austin Trammell specifically. I know you you alluded to trying to remember which touchdown reception on a particular yeah, which of play. which of three. Which kudos to him. So. Austin Trammell has five touchdown receptions this season, and his first touchdown of the year came with five minutes to go in the third quarter against Middle Tennessee. So you take that five minutes of the third quarter plus the next five quarters, he has five touchdowns in 5.3 quarters, which is good. Uh, in, In his previous 37 games as a Rice Owl before this season, 37 granted he wasn't really a full-time starter his first year but 
even still, seven touchdowns. Yeah, and he's just, like, as he's good as he was dude. for Rice last year, I feel like he's even, like, he's, I don't know, last year he was, like, the way we talked about it was, like, oh, this is, like, Mr. Reliable. Like, you know, the guy you can always count on to get a first down. Like, the guy that's going to be the safety net, the guy that's going to move the chains, that's going to get the catches. But, like, he's become kind of a, a legit, like, number one receiver. Like, not just the guy they can count on to to be reliable. Like, they, but the guy that, like, is flat out making plays. Like, he's been dynamite with the ball in his hands in terms of, like, breaking con like, pushing through contact and breaking tackles and juking guys. And like, like, I mean, like the long touchdown run, but he like looked like he should have been pushed out of bounds and somehow managed to stay in. Um, it's the growth he's had from, from last year to this year was not, I wouldn't have thought it was possible for a guy that late in his career. Um, and yeah. it's, it's, it's not like he wasn't great already, but like, this is, I did not expect this kind of like next level of improvement for him. It's it's been really incredible. Yeah, and it was it was wild to me because it's one of those things like hindsight. Of course, you know, of course it's easy to see, but but even now it's kind of difficult. I remember watching him in fall camp, and you know, with with Rosner sidelined and 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 out and and it, fall camp, the the receiver core was just as beat up as it was now, if if not more so, which is terrifying but he was the only guy out there with like with walk-ons but basically for for half of all camp it felt yeah. like and i'm just watching him put like double moves and go downfield against who like guys who are playing regularly for rice on saturdays like in the secondary which you know we've talked about the secondary issues but southern miss has some playmakers in the secondary got nowhere but watched austin trammell just like undressing defensive backs to the point where like we watched him last year and you're like, oh, he's 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 a really good wide receiver. But he was never one of the guys that like you just say, OK, I'm going to put you on the line of scrimmage, beat him. Yeah. And he, <laughs> I saw him do that in back to back sequences on a, uh, b before a scrimmage this fall. And I was like, that's different. And then it, with that in the back of my head, I could see him come out on the field on Saturdays now and he's doing it the same thing. Which, you know, I, I was I, I, I put up a kind of a a wide receiver room deep dive for subscribers up on the site the, the Friday before the Southern Miss game. I, I got the chance to talk with a receivers coach Mike Kershaw. And, and the, one of the first things he's told me is we need to get Austin the ball more like <laughs> that. That wasn't like, oh, middle to see scheme them out. It was too hard. Like he was double covered. He's like, no, we watched the film like we just didn't throw it to him enough. We need to throw it to him more. And lo and behold, you throw it to him more and good things happen. I, I, I think just putting a bow on all of it, like that was easily the most complete offensive game that I've seen Rice have since Michael and we arrived on campus. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was really impressive. I, I don't know. I've sort of run out of things to say about the offense at this point. Wait, wait. The success of the Rice offense has made us speechless? That's hard to do. What a time we live in. Uh, 2020, my friends. But uh, should we hit defense a little bit before we get into UTSA? Yeah. Um, so 
I mean, honestly, at this point, I I think the secondary is, is the more noteworthy thing to talk about here. But for the front, I mean, I, I've almost run out of things to say because they're just the same, <laughs> just. And, and and they get a lot of they're getting seems like they're getting a little more disruption this year, which is really good. And, and one of the things we really wanted to see um, uh, both to Braylon Carroll and Elijah Garcia, who had a better season than I expected him to last year um, is another one of those guys that seems to, despite being so late in his career, seems to have taken another step because he's playing really, really well. Um, yeah. I think, I think Elijah Garcia, I, and I, I will in- interrupt. I think he's just a fascinating story because this is a guy last year when, when miles Adams had a spot locked down, like a guy that made an NFL practice squad, like he not probably not going to beat him out. And DeBraylon Carroll was coming on the beginning camp. Defensive line coach Cedric Calhoun like sat down with me and said, "Look, your spot's up for grabs. This guy's better than you right now. Go take it back." And like from that conversation, like DeBraylon Carroll didn't start last year because Elijah Garcia played really well, and like DeBraylon's really good, and we think he's going to be really good. Garcia is second on the team right now in tackles, and he plays on the interior of the defensive line. You have to be dominant to be, or sorry to say second, he's third on the team behind Montero and Olich. You have to be dominant on the interior yeah. of the line to get that many tackles. Um, I love that they're going, they're rotating so much on the front. They're getting, like, I was worried about the depth among, like, true defensive linemen and, and, and rush linebackers this year. But, I mean, they've run Javante Hubbard, uh, Garcia and Carroll and Adrian Bickham and Josh Percy and Cam Valentine. And it's, it's been a much deeper rotation than I thought that I expected. And it's all looked pretty good, which has been very nice to see. Um, but the thing I love most about the front is that they just tackle so well in space. Like if they have an, if well, you know, like if, if you have a really good athlete, sometimes they might get outflanked. They might, you know, it, it's possible to beat them if you have really good athletes. But if they've got the angle on you, if they've got the numbers to one side of the ball where you're trying to go uh, and a guy gets in a position to make a tackle, they don't miss it. They get it every time, whether it's one guy around the ball or five. And that is so, so key facing modern offenses, whether they're good ones or bad ones. You have to be able to tackle in isolation in space. And they are just so, so ultra reliable at that. And it's one of the the most satisfying things to watch about a defense when they just do that right every single time. Yeah, it, and and the thing that like beyond like the tackling is is superb, which is one thing. Rice had one sack against Southern Miss on Saturday. They had five tackles for a loss, which all in all, like those are kind of pedestrian. Uh, defensive numbers as far as it comes to, to pressure at least from what I'd expect from this Rice defense is capable of like it was a fine day at the office uh, from the statistical perspective but but watching that game I thought that the, the pressure they were able to create and the difficulties they imposed on the Southern Miss offense which you know was was trailing basically and, and had to throw the ball they had 23 pass attempts were able to complete 17 of 23 passes, pretty good. Only six incomplete passes, but 
170 yards and a pick? Like when, whenever the quarter, some of the missed quarterbacks had time to throw, it was a very narrow window. It was usually first read or maybe second, get the ball out and survive. There wasn't any of this, let's just chuck it for a 40-yard bomb yeah. because there wasn't time. Well, and like we said, it's a whole lot easier on an inexperienced secondary, which I guess that's a great segue, but like it's a whole lot easier on a secondary full of new faces when the quarterback doesn't have time to throw deep, when you can just, all you're facing is kind of like underneath stuff and you can rally to the ball and make the tackle. But I mean, last week, this secondary was missing everyone, the expected starting safeties and, uh, one of the expected starting corners was was in and out of the lineup and the so you know we had a a, a true freshman and a former juco guy who was in his first real action playing corner for most of the day uh that true freshman did not play um the starting viper who has been one of two mainstays in the secondary since the beginning of the sec of the bloomgood era did not play um the safety, one of the safeties who played last week who had a really great game in Kirk Lockhart did not play. So you're down to basically like like third string safeties here. And yeah. I just, the, I wanted to, I don't remember if we were, were texting about it or this was on Twitter or whenever this happened, but as soon as it, I, I don't remember if it was on the broadcast or, or at one point it was communicated out that that Chamberlain and um um Lockhart. Shoot, Lockhart yeah thank you uh, man it's not even that late this time change on top <laughs> of a pandemic time I'm telling you is when it was communicated that Lockhart and Chamberlain were not going to play and that was a that was kept very under wraps they did not travel with the team on friday saturday when the game is kicking off it comes out i wanted to see your face <laughs> when i told you hey by the way you could be asked to suit up in the secondary today i you know i wasn't initially watching the game with the sound on so i didn't even catch that they weren't there until after rice was already in the lead and at that point i was like oh crap well i'm sort of glad i didn't find out about that before the game so um and you know they gave up some yards early on like like southern miss's first drive went for 60 yards it was their best drive of the day in terms of 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 actual of how how far they got on the field but after, I mean, against what should have been and has been during the season, a much, much better passing attack than the one they faced last week. I mean, they pretty much shut him down. And yeah, it was only a half against Abraham, but like, man, still like they shut getting, Abraham getting down that last far, year. getting that far into the depth chart. Like. That was nuts. I, I, I couldn't believe that after everything that's happened to this secondary over the last month and a half that they put up that good of a performance. It was really, really impressive. It was. And I think, uh, I think Treshawn Devones was a guy that we kind of had our, had our eyebrows raised against the middle Tennessee game as he was kind of, he was, 
he's left off the initial depth chart. Was it kind of a, a game time decision, so to speak? And we kind of, you know, his first game against Middle Tennessee, we were just kind of like, ah, not not his best day at the office. He was it was okay, but but not quite what we had grown to expect. I thought, you know, he he stepped up and he played much better today. And then we mentioned Miles McCord, uh, the JUCO guy, had his first career interception. Yeah, not- yeah. I mean, Treshawn was basically himself again, which is is a very good thing to say about a player of his calendar caliber. So that was great. And, you know, like I said last week, Miles has quietly been great. Like through he, he's been the constant at corner through these two games and he's played really well. The whole like he like I said, he fell down on a touchdown pass last week. And other than that, he's. He's been about as good as you could have hoped for. Uh, I, I, I was really impressed. Yeah, and now it's I'm I'm kind of trying to. What what is what is reality, right? Is it the rice? So the rice offense against Middle Tennessee and Southern Miss was basically the same. If anything, in the Southern Miss game, they were more aggressive and committed less turnovers. So either I, I, I feel pretty good. We know what the offense is at this point. The defense gave up 40 points last week to Middle Tennessee, gave up six this week. No touchdowns. You, you that that tack on field goal at the end of half, like you're basically looking at a defense that was very close to pitching a shutout, all things considered. I am now processing and trying to determine as you know, we get into you know previewing you to say and what is to come, which rice defense is the real rice defense? Or is it yes? <laughs> you know, my, I mean we know exactly what the front is like, as long as they stay reasonably healthy up there, they're going to continue to be one of the best, if not the best units in the conference. I suspect that the, I mean, it all depends on the health because like, who knows which players we're getting week in and week out in this secondary. My sure. guess is that the, the true performance level for this secondary is probably somewhere in the, in between, right? That like, they're probably not as bad as they looked against MTSU. They may not be as good as they looked against Southern Miss, but I mean, if they, they just (laughs) like, give me back my backup safeties and I'll feel great about them going forward at this point. So like, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. So just fun fact, I, I, I pulled up right now. I'm looking at the Conference USA uh, statistical leaders for passing just to kind of get a gauge. Because in, in Conference USA, which we've talked about it ad, ad nauseum, it really it comes down to how good is your quarterback and how good are the quarterbacks facing you? Mike Collins leads Conference USA in passing efficiency, which that's good. He's also tied for third with with touchdowns. <laughs> And the two guys he now in front has more of him, touchdowns on the season than Jack Abraham. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, the two guys in front of him, Asher O'Hara and Luke Anthony, at Louisiana Tech, have played seven games each. <laughs> Which, if if Collins keeps this pace up, then he would he would pass O'Hara next week and and Anthony the week after that, which is pretty good. But uh, for defensive purposes, so if you just look down the efficiency rankings and, and look at the quarterbacks Rice is going to face. Uh, Austin on or Jason Bean. I don't know who the starter is in North Texas. That's part of it. Uh, if it, if it's on, 
you're talking about a guy, 55% passer, eight touchdowns, four interceptions. They've been back and forth with who's starting at, at North Texas. That's the next most, you know, by passing efficiency quarterback that they're going to face, which I'm not terrified of. Uh, Luke <laughs> Anthony, like, lost his job mid-game three times at, at Louisiana Tech. So I don't, I don't know who's going to be starting for Louisiana Tech, but uh, he was really good in their win over like HBU, and that's about it. So you've already played Asher O'Hara, who is the seventh most efficient passer. Gavin Hardison, ninth most efficient passer, and you're talking about a guy who has more interceptions than touchdowns. Then Frank Harris is the least efficient passer uh, among qualified guys in Conference USA who Bryce faces next weekend. So Jack Abraham was the best quarterback that you were going to play this year. You could argue Asher O'Hara, but either either one of those types, you've played the best quarterback. They're both already out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're you're facing guys that are not not as capable as passers. So if your big if our big concern is we know the front seven is is really good, and our concern is you know I, I the secondary like and who knows like we I'm hopeful we might you know check the injury reports uh, for subscribers we might be able to get fingers crossed one guy back in the secondary this week where I'm still kind of waiting on that you know who knows and if if when Rice gets their secondary back but if you're telling me that theoretically <laughs> we should get healthier as the season goes or at least steady state and we've played the two best passers we're going to play you got to think that this defense is going to err closer to the no touchdowns through the air side than the how many touchdowns did Astro O'Hara have four yeah I think yeah so. something like that so if you're telling me that the average quarterback against Rice is now going to throw two touchdown passes you add one rushing touchdown just to keep Rice off it honest and it right now if we're saying you know if if the rice defense can hold the opposing offense to 21 points throwing a field goal 24 you and that's like i would say probably the downside because i don't think (laughs) i don't know if utsa is going to get to 24 points (laughs) yeah like if that's the upside like you got to feel pretty pretty darn good about where the trajectory this defense is on right uh, that's probably a pretty good transition to UTSA themselves, who, like a lot of CUSA teams this year, are, have been kind of hard to get a read on. Um, they scored 51 points in double overtime versus Texas State in their opener. And I, I had a, there was like a feeling at that point that was like, wow, has Frank Harris turned the corner as a passer? And then he was hurt and they've played like four different quarterbacks in that time. And now he's come back and hasn't been and- great, but. In their Texas sub- State also like implode from that point yeah, onward. Oh yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, and oh, they man, imploded Texas at the State's end of that be... game too. Yeah. What a mess. Um. So, but since then, so UCSA has scored twenty-one points against twenty-four points against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, they won a shootout with MTSU thirty-seven thirty-five, and then in the subsequent games, thirteen points, twenty points, sixteen points, twenty-seven points, three points. So, so, uh, so do you think that they're going to uh, be able to put up enough points to overcome the number one passer in Conference USA? As long <laughs> as that's the, as long as that's the case, we need to open up every show with this is a Rice podcast, home of the number one passer in Conference USA. 
you think that'll trigger any Marshall fans? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, that's you know, we can, we can talk in a little more detail, but that's kind of what it comes down to me in this one. Like, obviously, sincere McCormick is a great, great player. Like, there are a lot of great running backs in this conference, and he very well might be slash probably is the best one currently leading the country in both attempts and rushing yards. Um, but against a decent defensive front as good as Rice's, uh, if you can't pass, they're just going to load the box and shut you down. Like there's only so much, even the greatest running backs can do when a swarming front like this can load the box against you. And it's like, I don't know. Rice has had some bad passers over the last couple seasons suddenly turn into great ones. And some of that's been on Rice and some of that's not been. And that would have been UTSA last year. Lowell Narcisse had like a career game. But like on balance of what he has been throughout his career, including for for pretty much all of this year, do you think Frank Harris can do that? Because I don't think he can. I mean, he can. Do you think he's going to? So I, I, I'm playing I'm slightly playing devil's advocate here because we had this exact conversation a year ago about Lowell Narcisse. And he was probably st- we did. He was yeah, statistically yeah. a worse quarterback. Right. By every measure. And we laughed about like, you know, he couldn't find a spot at, at LSU and he really can't find one. At UT- like we had that laugh. And then he lit right up that Frank Harris is going to do that. But if you kind of think back, like Frank Harris has been. He has already been injured this year. <laughs> this is, He's the third and a half quarterback that UTSA has used. They had the Rice quarterback curse, which we wish on nobody. But, man, it's been brutal. And, you know, even he got pulled a little bit at the end of this, the previous game against FAU to get back up Jordan Weeks S- some work. But Frank Harris is, is kind of a guy that they're going to try and run a little bit. But he profiles in my opinion, more closer to an Asher O'Hara kind of type, a a big chain mover than a dynamic uh, runner. I, we're not getting Kyler Murray on the opposite of the ball. Low L. Narcisse, frankly, it scares me more as a runner than Frank Harris does. Uh, I don't. Is that is that hot takey? I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I don't know. So if if the the quarterback run game is really the the only alternative that I see. Frank Harris having like he's he's not going to to move the ball through the air particularly well and he hasn't this year and I don't know how healthy he is uh, frankly but I guess the the difference to the first two games from last year I'm really trying to think of like could this be the game that Frank Harris puts it all together Lord I hope it, not it, it, but here <laughs> I'm thinking like even if he does like he's not a he's not going to hit deep balls over the rice secondary so he's going to have to impersonate his best Asher O'Hara and yeah hit fit, hit receivers 20 yards down the field in space and i mean i mean he's he's completed 58% of his passes this year at for 5.6 yards an attempt and that's what that's what i'm thinking i like he's not that guy that is going to throw a 20 yard like Asher O'Hara, like he's kind of a, a limited range guy, but but he, he's he's more capable and has proven to be so like he can right. get get the ball to the chains 10, 15 yards, not 40, not like Mike Collins. Right. But 
but, but that's the thing. I, I think not like number one passer in CUSA, Mike Collins. This is we are we are a Mike Collins podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's I think that's the that that's the difference is I don't think that the deep threat with with Harris is there because I don't know if Narcisse was all that accurate, but he could just he could chuck it. Right. Um, like they're not I, he's averaging less than 10 yards of completion this year, which is not so like 58 percent less than 10 yards of complete. Like they're not efficient or explosive when they pass the ball. And you need to at least be one of those things to keep this right rice defense from teeing off against the run. So like, could he put together a career game in this one? Um, well, Lowell Narcisse did it against rice last year steven garcia did it against alabama in 2010 like <laughs> like that stuff happens but like are you, are you scarred <laughs> at this point i that game is funnier to me i mean with with the benefit of a decade of of distance but like of all the like alabama's had a hit had a history of seeing some random quarterbacks just suddenly become great against them but that one is the one that is just like Steven Garcia, who was probably doing keg stands at a frat house the morning of the game, somehow turning into Tom Brady in that, in that game. So I'm going to offer a career game. All right. Just because like this is this is it. Like if if Frank Harris cannot be dangerous vertically, Rice is going to put everyone in the box. Sam McCormick is going nowhere and UTSA is not going to score. And Rice could win this game 6 nothing with two 27-yard touchdown drives, 27-play <laughs> touchdown drives. Like, that could happen if Frank Harris doesn't show up. His best game ever in his career against Incarnate Word last year, season opener, threw for 206 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 123 yards rushing on the ground on 15 attempts. So you spot him his best game where he throws three touchdowns and probably leads two other scoring drives. Best game. At this point, I don't know if that's enough to overcome the Rice offense. Yeah, and this is not like. And the Rice defense is a lot better than the incarnate word defense of 2019, just for the record. (laughs) And on 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 the other side of the ball, like. UTSA's defense is 101st in defensive SP plus. They're uh, where do I have that up? They're 78th in defensive efficiency per FPI. Like this is not like this is not like an upper tier CUSA defense. It's probably on par with what we've seen the last two weeks. And if crazy to be saying it but if you can't score 30 points against this rice defense you're probably not going to win the game what, because what a, this what is a luxury a mike, what a time <laughs> a mike collins podcast and we support our 30 point a game quarterback yeah but yeah i think i think we've yeah in, and i mean asher o'hara he didn't he was not effect, effective or efficient on the ground average about three yards a carry against yeah. rice and he's he's the most dynamic Russian quarterback in the conference. Like Rice hasn't had a problem containing mobile quarterbacks right. under Brian Smith. Maybe this should be a co a Mike Collins and Brian Smith <laughs> podcast. Both and 
but yeah, I, I think we've essentially arrived at the heart of it right here. Like, if Frank Harris has a career day, UTSA probably scores about 30 points, at, like, on the upper end. And, I mean, what are, what are Rice's odds of winning the game in that case? Like, 50-50? Because Rice is probably going to score about that amount anyway, right? I'd say I give him forty percent. I, 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 yeah. I maybe it's shell shocked. Maybe I have to see three thirty-point games in a row before I believe it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. No, so we'll, we'll say forty. We'll say forty percent Rice wins on a career day from Frank Harris. Yeah. If and it's anything less than a career day. Yeah, even if it's like an. I don't know if that's the 100th percentile outcome for him, even if it's like an 80th percentile outcome. Then I still really like Rice's chances in this game. Yeah, because then you're talking about maybe three touchdown drives from the UTSA offense with a really good Frank Harris leads three touchdown drives, which, you know, we saw Rice's defense against against Middle Tennessee. If there's guys open in the middle of field that can get space, I the the playmakers outside of sincere McCormick in this offense are they're just not dynamic. Like they got some good guy like Joshua Cephas. Like I think at one point he led the nation in consecutive receptions without a drop through like four or five games. So like they have some guys who can catch the football, yeah. but he's not a guy that I'm like, Oh man, he caught it at the 15 and he took it 70 yards. Like, especially with how right. this, this secondary is playing. So uh, we think that the Rice offense, as currently constructed over the past two games, we haven't seen anything that UTSA does defensively that would make us expect that Rice is going to be all the worse. Like, if Rice would have not, if Rice would have kept going vertical against Southern Miss, they could have gotten to 40, 45, 50 points. Yeah. Like, easily. They just didn't need to, so they didn't. Maybe that was the most conservative thing to do. So maybe there was, <laughs> you're only up by by uh, 24 uh, against the team that can't score, and that's not enough. I don't know. But yeah, so like Rice offense over UTSA defense, clear edge. Uh, Rice defense versus UTSA offense, clear edge. If Rice, again, the same thing we said last week. If Rice plays mistake-free football, they don't shoot themselves in the foot. This should be another game that Rice wins, dare I say, comfortably. Have we gotten there too quickly that we can ask for comfortable comfortable wins? I mean, you know, maybe we say that with the turnovers and stuff that, uh, you know, if they played Southern Miss a bunch of times again, that it wouldn't be that decisive each time. Like, certainly the the high variability plays kind of went in Rice's favor, especially in the first half. But I mean, they just did it comfortably against an offense that is much better and much more threatening downfield than this UTSA. Like if Rice gets up 14 points at any point in this game, it's game over because I mean, they're going to throw it into second gear and drive a truck over the UTSA defense. And I don't think the UTSA offense is built to make a comeback like that. 
I'm kind of picturing like Blaze Aldridge in one of those like giant like Tonka vehicles right now. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, it's the, well, it's uh, on offense. It's 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 Juma, but Juma in one spot, and then and then Kalen in the passenger seat. But yeah, like that's that's essentially the that's essentially what this team wants to be. Man, a lot can change in a month, my friend. Here we were a month ago wondering if this was going to happen, if if Rice could get to good. Yeah, and it's 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 so crazy how fast we've come from like, well, you know, if Rice plays their game, like they should have a real shot in this one, like as long as a couple of things go right. And now we're getting to the point where we're like, man, if the other team doesn't have a career game, they're going to get blown out. Like, it's, it's insane how this short sample size has has put us into have made us so confident about what this team can do in conference games. But I, I think that confidence is entirely earned, like nothing about what they've done the last two weeks has been fluky. Like, I think what we've seen is what this team is. Yeah. And we talk about small sample sizes like, you know, we. The opportunity in front of this team right now, like you take the one in three million bounce against Middle Tennessee aside and the the clear rust, like, man, I want to play Middle Tennessee next week and see how that yeah, game turns out. It. Like it just it is what it is. You know, you lost the game. That's fine. UTSA, Louisiana Tech, North Texas and UTEP are your remaining games. Louisiana Tech just beat UAB. They're probably at least were. The favorites, I think they still are probably the favorites in the West. Uh, I mean, but, UAB by all rights should be what five and one, six and like they should yes, not have lost. They're, they're better any, than their record says Miami. they are, right? But yeah, I mean, it, it went from like when we when we launched this podcast a year ago, we looked at the schedule and we said, you know, there are a couple games that like. Rice should probably win and we think they should be competitive in most of them. And then some of them, I don't really know. We go down this late and we say, we now have games that like unquestionably Rice should win. And the rest of them, like, like you're looking at a team that it has the talent on both sides of the ball, even unhealthy to, (laughs) (laughs) To make a run at a conference championship. Yeah. And, and that's not homerism. Yeah. Like, I mean, we'll see, like, Marshall looks really, really good. Like, if they get to the championship game, I would not, at this point in time, be picking them to beat this Marshall team, which is just so much better than I think we would have expected coming into this season. But, like, there is absolute, if this team keeps playing like it has, there's absolutely no reason they can't win CUSA West. Like, I don't right. know if like I I don't think I would take them versus the field at this point, but. You have to have them right there as one of the contenders in the West, like they're if yeah, they and, keep playing like this. There's no reason that, you know, if they rescheduled UAB for the 12th, like that game could very be very well be for the division. Yeah. And the, the UAB lost Louisiana Tech is important because it, with Louisiana Tech's previous loss, Rice controls their own destiny. 
So we don't have to go pie in the sky and try and figure out the math of, you know, what's the odds that Rice wins five more? And, you know, like Rice is like completely cliche as this is. Rice just has to win the next game. And every game on their schedule right now is more than winnable if Rice plays their game. If the offense continues to move the ball well and the defense continues to be aggressive and just get an opportune play here and there, like a turnover here and there. Like we saw how quickly that shifted the Southern Miss game just with that stop right at the stop. So, you know, like we will uh, we will do our best not to get too far ahead. But, you know, Rice objective one beat UTSA be tied for the lead in the conference <laughs> after three games. And then, you know, then things get interesting with a, everything's a in front of you after and, that. And I don't believe has Rice. I'm going to have to look this up. Has Rice won in Ruston? When's the last time that's happened? Oh, Lordy, I don't know. I have to pull it up because it's it has not been kind. Yeah, but that no, I... that's like the, the biggest I mean, you granted, if you take Rice's road record against Conference USA teams over the past couple of years, it hasn't been great. But that's partially a risk of Rice not being great. But yeah, Rice yeah. hasn't run in. Bleh, Rice hasn't won in Ruston since 2003. Which that's been a while. It's it's been a while. <laughs> so we're, we're both teams in the whack. At that point, yeah, I know Rice, Rice was. Rice, I know, Rice, I know Rice, Rice was not was in, not USA in Conference then. USA. Oh, so I think Louisiana crazy. Tech, Louisiana Tech was from the WAC, but I don't know if they moved over that early. But yeah, so that's that's where we're at. Like to 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 get there, Rice still has to do something that Rice has never done. Like running running the table in 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 the West. I, I'm pretty confident Rice has never done that. Because they didn't do it the year they won the conference championship, yeah, no. I believe that's correct. Um, but yeah, so it's a big mountain to climb. It's certainly not going to be easy. But let's uh, let's go beat UTSA, and then we will continue championing the Mike Collins Brian Smith fan club, and we'll add you know whoever decides to have the big play against UTSA to that list. I'm I'm in. Yeah. Well, all right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. We will hope we will be back next week with what will hopefully be another belligerently confident podcast. Uh, but thanks for joining us and Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.